Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. Hey, welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. We've got an awesome guest today, Sean Cassie. He's the Director of Innovation at TVT Community Day School in Irvine, California. Since 1997, he's been a teacher and education leader at independent schools in Dallas, Los Angeles, Pittsburgh, and Orange County, California. It's quite a journey. John earned bachelor degrees in history and classics from the University of Massachusetts, a master's degree in history from the Ohio State University, and a PhD in education, and ed especially in educational leadership from UCLA. John, welcome to the show. Neil and Michael, nice to be back. Good to see you. <laughs> good to see nice you. Nice to see you. Nice to see yes, you. Good yes. to be here. John is making a, a good joke because we lost the original recording. Uh, he's been very gracious to come back. So thank you, John, for doing it. Um, <laughs> thank you. What is the new story that you would like to bring to the world, John? I think that, that, that we live in a world where policymakers, uh, thinkers, uh, philosophers, uh, regular people, have a really narrow sort of constrained view of the purpose of education and what education ought to be about, okay? So let me sort of spool that out for, for a minute or two here so that you get a sense of what I mean. I think that most people are stuck in their own experience. Well, I was educated and therefore that gives me some kind of wisdom about what education ought to be, failing to realize as I sometimes say to parents who may be pushing back on me a little bit about uh, you know, innovative, uh, innovative practice or whatever, um, I will say, look, I'm, I'm 52. I don't know how old you are, but if you're a parent, you're, broad, you know, you're a Generation X person. Do you really want me to train your child for a job that they're gonna need to get in 2065 when they are 50, using the strategies that pertained in the Carter administration. Is that really what you want, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, actually no. So can you help me understand more what you're doing? So my, my point is this, we have a very narrow understanding based on our own experience, which is often generations old and decades out of any usefulness. My school is a TK through 12. The class of 2034 is already here. They will be in the labor force in the 2090s. That's what's at stake. It's not piddly test results that happen and maybe we shouldn't even be doing these tests year after year after year or quarter after quarter. You've got to take the long view if you're going to do education properly. Nobody thinks that. That's what I'm trying to do. Well, what's the driver behind that? Because, you know, Michael and I teach sometimes at the universities and right. we look at things and, you know, at least we look at some of the other faculty and they're not all this way, but they're like, well, if I'm teaching this subject, these are the 10 things the students have to learn. 
rather than like I come in and say, okay, what are the, what are the key things students are going to have to learn to get a job, right? Right. Well, there's a, there's a couple of factors in play based, you know, based on that, Neil. Um, one, um, I'm, I'm in K-12, okay? So where I want K-12 to go is as rapidly as possible away from the idea that our responsibility in K-12 is to teach subjects as opposed to teaching what I might call archetypes or uh, valences, something like that, right? I don't really think it's productive at this stage in the game to be obsessed about what people in our present world are presently obsessed about. English, reading, math, 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 and math, math, right? You can directly connect an obsession with these things to a degradation in our democratic principles because we don't pay any attention to the things we ought to be learning from social science, as a for instance. I care about teaching human beings. I can teach them, well, what have I taught in my 20 plus years? I've taught English, I've taught history, I've taught Latin, I've taught game design, I've taught entrepreneurship. And all times I am teaching humans, okay? What do humans need in order to be successful in the, in the 21st and 22nd century? They need to be able to think, work, act, and take the perspective of what I would call five different avatars or archetypes. They need to be able to think like architects, critics, engineers, entrepreneurs, and philosophers. I'm writing a book on, on that kind of theme that I hope will be out in a year or so, okay? You, in 1316, let's not privilege you by calling you higher ed as though you're better. It's just lifespan, right? You have a responsibility to also teach human beings. And because universities and independent schools, you know, let me shine the mirror on myself, often view themselves as being in these sort of ivory towers, look at how important I am, right? You think you are your subject, but at the end of the day, that pertains only, in my judgment, to your research practice. Your teaching practice has to be about people, not your subject, okay? So as soon as you see the people in your room as people, well, then from my perspective, now we're ready to go. As opposed to what education in the university has looked like, good grief. How is it any different from what was going on in Bologna in the 1150s, give me a break, right? Well, I, you know, it's very interesting to going back uh, just a few minutes to what you said, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old and to mm. think about the years in which they will be coming online to be in the workforce, it just, it feels so far off. I know we'll blink right. and we'll be there, but it's right. interesting to hear you say that. Also, um, you know, when I was going to school, my major was in philosophy mm -hmm. and I had a lot of friends, especially my roommate that was a business major and they would, they would laugh at me at the time and say, what are you going to do with philosophy, right? Funnily enough, think? what? What are you going to think all day? Exactly. Right. Funnily enough, my first job out of college was as a mortgage broker and I had a, I've had a lot of corporate jobs and I've also had a lot of creative jobs and that's what my business is now. 
And I feel very fortunate and very grateful that my degree was in philosophy because Neil and I often talk about this when we're speaking about artificial intelligence to people. Mm -hmm. is we can't expect we will know what the jobs of the future will hold, but we do know that it's important to have critical thinking, um, emotional intelligence, the ability to work collaboratively with people and to be creative. And I know that uh, you mentioned critical or being a critic was one of the five things. <laughs> and um, I can speak also, my other, my minor was in journalism. And I often think it's really important for people, especially younger people, when they're reading the newspaper or watching, you know, watching TV, reading online, to come at it from a critical perspective, to think about who benefits from reading a story like this, who benefits from producing a story like this. And I, so I was intrigued by what you said about being critical, and that's important mm -hmm. to teach students. And I wondered if you could elaborate on that just a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, I think that there are three purposes of education. Um, and really, that, 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 that's it, three. The first, if you are well-educated, you will be able to apply your natural gifts and your hard work and your energy to solving any problem that you deem worthy of your attention. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two, if you are well-educated, you will be able to make dignified personal choices and dignifying choices for the people you have relationships with. Three, you'll be able to function effectively in a democratic society. That's it. Okay. That's why you have to teach kids because at the end of the day, I don't care if you want to solve problem X, Y, or Z. Do you want to solve the problem of homelessness or hunger or you want to solve uh, the problem of how do we get to the singularity faster? All are equally worthy. It's up to you to decide what you want to do. How do you get there? By deeply developing the young person's capacity to think deeply in a sustained way mm -hmm. about about all kinds of problems, okay? So when I say architect and critic, engineer, entrepreneur, and philosopher, what I'm really talking about are five modes of thinking, ways of looking at the world, constructs of understanding the world that have embedded within them sets of heuristics about understanding the world. Meld them together into the well-educated, deeply thinking, capable, human being, well, all bets are off, right? You do that from the earliest moments by asking great questions that rise above what is generally thought to be great questions in K through 16 education, right? Mm -hmm. Enough with sort of standardized testing and batch processing of human beings as though they're all the same because they were born at the same time. And um, centralization of curriculum, it needs to be decentralized. It needs to be made individual. Artificial intelligence development ought to be able in the fullness of time to help uh, a well-trained educator look at a human being, make some decisions about what they ought to be doing, and deploy a uniquely designed curriculum for each person mm -hmm. so that you know, Michael, Neil, and I all are given the opportunity to develop to be our best selves. Right. And in a, in a democratic society, you want the maximum level of diversity. Okay. 
you know, we, we were talking in the pre-show a little bit about Star Trek. And I take the Vulcan philosophy, infinite diversity and infinite combinations to be the only defensible position in a democratic society. More diversity, more perspectives, because if you're not challenged, how are you gonna think, right? I'm always challenging my students, okay? That's an interesting perspective. Here's the perspective of someone who slightly disagrees with you. How do you manage to make a persuasive argument to that person to bring them all the way to you? Here's a person who totally disagrees with you. How are you gonna find some kind of common ground so that you both feel like you're participating? And onward and onward, ever and ever, right? Yeah. Look, I, that makes total sense. I think most people would agree to that. And then we have to teach to the student as an individual. Yeah. Honestly, John, I feel like we're going the opposite way, right? We are. We are. Well, yeah, I guess the, I think everyone's probably wondering, like, why is that? If we know the importance of thinking, why don't we teach critical thinking? If we know that we have to kind of tailor the education for the individual, why are we still doing in mass 19th century techniques? We have to get, you know, students ready for being thinkers and creatives, why do we give right. them so much rigid structure that by the time they graduate college, they, they don't know how to even set their own schedule? Right. Um, two, two perspectives. Uh, one, we happen to be living in a time where the particular parenting strategy of school-aged children is informed by the way that Generation X grew up. Okay, latchkey children, lots of independence, um, plus a kind of endless cycle of moral panics. Americans love moral panics more than any other people, right? It's always baseless. It's Dungeons and Dragons, oh my God. It's, it's Satan worshiping death cults, right? It's, it's, it, it's QAnon, nonsense now it's all the same right so you've got parents who feel like i have to be my child's best friend mm -hmm. no you have to be their parent plus uh, a moral panic plus a sense that the country is economically in a place where i don't want my children to be poorer than me super 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 it's all about anxiety right once you're in a place of deep anxiety you get totally bound up okay you can't make big change because you're too afraid to, one. Two, education is staffed with people like me who are sort of generally broadly on the lefter side of the American political spectrum. But the, the practice of education itself is profoundly conservative, okay? There have really only been two revolutions in education ever. That's sort of the, the rise of the university Bologna, 1150, 1200, and the sort of Horace Mann progressive approach, the late, 18, late 1800s that gave the full expression of what the New England colonies were trying to do when they said, every town has to appoint a schoolmaster. Everyone has to be educated. Okay, well, we got to that point, but now we're stuck, okay? We're stuck because an education generation is incredibly long. Think about it. I'll speak only for myself. I graduated from high school in 1986. 
my oldest teacher who retired that year began her career in the Franklin Roosevelt administration, 1944. She taught for 42 years until 1986. I will teach, well, you know, Lord willing and the creek don't rise, right? Until about sort of 2037, 2038, something like that, right? The student who I teach in that year will be at work and living in the 22nd century, okay? Therefore, I am a pivoting point that connects 1944 to 2110, okay? Well, no wonder education is conservative, mm -hmm. right? Because it's working at spans that no one's thinking about. Yeah. All the stuff, Neil, that you're talking about that we ought not to do, it's easier, it's cheaper. It reinforces what people think education is. They're wrong, but it reinforces what they think it is. And it, it helps to soothe the anxiety about national non-competitiveness and these kind of things. My own perspective is radically transform the whole sector, okay? And stop doing many of the things that we presently do. You know, no child left behind and, you know, a nation at risk and all these kind of things that have been going on since Sputnik. They're all well-intentioned, they're just wrong, right? What I'm proposing would cost a colossal amount of money, requires technology that doesn't exist, and requires people to trust educators, which parents and students struggle with in the present reality. Well, everything you're saying there sounds like formidable challenges. Um, yeah. Go back two different things. One, yep. uh, I'm glad to hear you're writing a book because the way that you just explained the timeline to Neil and me, I think is fascinating. I've never really thought about it in terms of those, I mean, just the eras of education and what you're saying. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to something you said just a moment ago because it relates to a conversation I had recently. I was talking to somebody about the relentless pelting of information and content that we get all the time. And what the person was saying to me is, how, because he knows that I write for a living, he goes, how do you stay focused for so long in an era in which uh, people, you know, our attention spans are dwindling, people have trouble, especially younger people, even sitting through an hour and a half movie, not to mention an Oliver Stone three-hour movie. Um, it's very difficult for people, and not to mention, I think it's very difficult for people to have the, uh, I guess I'll call it mental bandwidth to complete a book. You look at a book that's something written by Tolstoy or Dostoevsky, it's really unrealistic to think that today's young people can even read something that that's, long, that's that long. And so, because you were mentioning sustained attention, I don't know if I said your, your term exactly the way you said it to me, or said it to us, but that idea of sustained thinking, sustained attention in a culture that encourages us to multitask and to be quick and to constantly be shifting and all this information is coming at us. How do we begin, this is just one small aspect of the conversation, but I think it's important. How do we begin to change that thinking amongst, especially young people, but older people too, where we go back to sustained thinking that allows us to have these, these breakthroughs? Well, a couple of perspectives. Um, we want, to not impose our generational perspective on the way that culture and society is presently developing completely, okay? Mm -hmm. So the first thing I'd say is 
we ought to be looking to all of those qualities that are advantageous about rapid ability to shift focus and to take multiple perspectives and to process them together, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the advantages of the technology. I don't wanna, I don't wanna put things into a negative framing, okay? Sure. So that the first thing is let's look hard at what the advantages there are. Second, critical thinking, sustained thinking, and the practice of it is no different in my mind than becoming really skilled at a martial art or a being a re really good runner, right? You don't start at the black belt level. You start at the white belt level, okay? So if you're going to develop sustain the capacity for sustained thinking and the capacity for like, looking at a network of information and finding what in that network is really important. Okay. Right. You have to train the mind and you don't do it by dropping a, a you know, Dostoevsky on someone in grade nine and saying, okay, well, we've never done any of this before. So now we expect you to read Romeo and Juliet or something harder. Why would I, why would you think I can do that? Mm -hmm. I, I haven't been trained to do that. Okay. So it's about structuring curriculum and approach to teaching and learning that develops in a very particular granular way. What used to be just like, well, okay, you'll get it. Except half the people in the class didn't get it in my time. Mm -hmm. It was just assumed you'd get it, except they didn't get it. There wasn't any effort made then either. Right. Yeah. I talk about, networks and nodes a lot when I'm talking to educators, okay? I am more interested evermore in students being able to process and understand a network of knowledge that is in front of them, okay? It's made up of nodes of knowledge, but you have to be able to put them together in a way that helps you understand whatever question you care about. Network thinking is what you know, this device encourages, okay? Node thinking is what you're talking about. Deep ability to understand a particular uh, novel set of laws, uh, historical framework, scientific construct. You need both. I just think we need to balance. Sure. Right? Because in our present world, our culture is like, ah! right? But our education systems think they're doing things that they're not doing, are focused on things they ought not to be focused on, and don't work for the majority of students. And it doesn't matter what, this is not a critique of public education. This is just education in the 21st century, in the year 2020, hasn't given up some of the negative parts of that great Horace Mann revolution which is way better, God bless. Can you imagine if we were still before Horace Mann? If we were in education 1.0? Well, only elite men get to be educated and really only in Latin and Greek. And engineers, well, I mean, I suppose if you wanna teach people how to work with machines, I mean, 
it's in, it's indefensible. The church will not put up with it. But I suppose you can, you know, you can go off into the country and noodle with things. That's not education. Right. You're not making the man. Right. I like what you're saying, John. The, the whole concept of network and node really resonates with me. But it seems like it's also built that on the precipice that students have some basic skills, yep. like the ability to focus, patience. Does this mean we have to weave some of these like soft skills into the curriculum? Or is the expectation is that the parents will actually help the children develop these things? Yeah, I, I don't, given the way that we've built our society and the expectations that are placed on, on adults, uh, I just don't think it's realistic to expect parents to be able to do all that much that maybe we might have expected of them in the 1960s or 1970s. It's just unrealistic, right? So what schools are, we have to open our framework, right? Why are schools open from eight to three, 180 days of the year when you have these beautiful buildings? They ought to be open eight to 11 p.m., right? And be used by the total community in all sorts of different ways to advance these causes, okay? Neil, to your point, I've said all along, um, I, I make a podcast with a friend called Many Windows. It's about education very broadly, okay? And we just did a 10-part series on COVID-19 teaching and learning. We had students and teachers and administrators, whatever, on the show. And what we were talking about was, at the end, was if you don't get TK and K right, you build into that learner all sorts of obstacles that you ought to have taken out. No, you have put them in. And now they're going to struggle with things that you've built in that could have an effect throughout the entire lifespan of that person. Okay. If you want to do critical thinking, sustained thinking, deep thinking, you have to make that the point, which takes us back to what we, what I was talking about at the very beginning, right? We are not teachers of history. We are teachers of people. Okay. If you fetishize, I chose that word purposefully, your subject in university, and think that that's what you're there for. In my judgment, you're wrong, okay? You're there to teach the adults, the young adults in front of you, who come to you from a million different places and perspectives and don't know how to do what you necessarily want them to do, okay? Why would you assume that they can do anything unless you've checked to see, right? And frankly, if they come to you without that ability, your job, therefore, is teach them these things and, and, and my subject, okay? Soft skills. That's how you started this question. It's all soft skills, okay? Empathy, reason, uh, perspective taking, collaboration, communication. Uh, global perspectives, local perspectives. I can do virtually anything 
with someone who can communicate effectively, collaborate with, with uh, uh, enthusiasm, and who has enough empathy to realize the other person in the room might have a perspective. I don't need you to know math X or history Y. I can fix that. But I can't fix you if you think you're the only person who knows anything in the room. You won't work together effectively. And, and you have no, no perspective ability, right? So, you know, I have many university friends and colleagues when I say these things to them and they're, they're just sort of, they don't want it to be true. Like, sorry. No, it doesn't matter what you want, right? I think you're absolutely right. Um, before we close out our, our, our interview today, could you give us a, an idea, just paint a picture in our audience's mind of what this world could look like? Because this is about changing the story. Let's say it's, it's a generation from now and more and more people subscribe to the educational beliefs that you do. What, what does that world look like? Well, I, I think I think I've actually hit it in a number of in a number of different places. So let me try to try to consolidate. Yeah. Right? Uh, the we don't talk about standardized test scores and we don't compare schools in that way uh, because we stop doing that because we realize it's madness and it doesn't tell us what we need to know. One, two. Schools are actually open eighteen to twenty hours a day, every day, and it's used by the entire community to. Uh, to share and collaborate and build our community's knowledge, okay? Schools are largely governed at the school level. So districts and state concerns are devalued and every school, the local elementary, the big high school, whatever, is more governed like they're an independent school, okay? which means that the staff looking at the children can say, all right, well, we have this reality, so we need to do it this way, okay? We don't talk really anymore about English and history, science and math. We talk about the way that they meld, okay? So this is my sort of architect and critic, designer and engineer, entrepreneur, kind of these archetypes, okay? If you're going to demonstrate to me that you can effectively work as an entrepreneur, you will have to deploy skills that you would learn in an English class, in a history class, in a math class, in a science class, okay? Because it's all refracted through the, the set of skills that the entrepreneur has to have in order to be effective, which back to Neil's point about soft skills, okay? Technology serves the educator, okay? Every student is quantified in some way so that a school can make minute to minute, minute to minute, rapidly responsive changes to what individuals need. And the, we've made a decision as a society to spend dramatically more on education across the country uh, and we've decided that um, local funding is fine uh, to a point, but that if your local reality is below a certain level, there is a state or a national top up to get you to the number that we've decided is essential. Okay. 
The single most important investment any society should be making is in educating its children. We've tried to do it on the cheap for about 60 years. Shocking that we're where we are. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. that's kind of where, where my head would be. Well, not to end on a, a down note, I think, John, you've actually given us a <laughs> transcend in education here. There's hope, everybody. Totally. But with that, John, if people want to learn more about what you're doing, keep, keep in touch, see what's happening at TVT, what's the best way to stay in touch with you? Uh, John Cassie at Gmail uh, is, my, um, is my email address, uh, johncassie.com. The podcast I referred to is called Many Windows. Its website is manywindows.net. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, all, all the face, you know, all those channels, right? Um, you know, you could find friend, raise questions, send me proposals for things you want me to do with you, blah, 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 right? I'm always interested in talking to people. I talk with teachers all over the world, right? And so I think together, you know, we can we can make the kind of change that the three of us at least, you know, are looking for. Wonderful. Well, that's a great awesome. way to end this, this interview. Thank you, John. Everybody Peace, bombard, bombard John with uh, your ideas so we can change education for the better. And John, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, John. Rock on. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.